I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many yeah, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Good morning and welcome to the episode of the Black Tuesday Podcast. With so much going on, you know we got to bring in our favorite Tennessean, She's a writer, business owner, all-around good person. Good morning, Candy Mathis. How are you? It is a beautiful day in Tennessee, my friend, and I'm good. How about you? I am good. Now, one of the things that you first posted, actually tweet, I should say, was you asked people, do they still watch The Cosby Show? That's an intriguing question. What, what made you decide to tweet that, and do you – and I guess the last one would be, how many people do you think still do that? Well, you know me. If you follow me long enough, you know that I'm honest. Like, that's just part of my tweet because I'm going to tell you, hell, I told people what color snot I had coming out of my nose when I was sick, trying to figure out from my doctor's Twitter if I should go to the doctor or if I live. Like, I, I'm just honest. And recently I have been missing – Claire Huxtable, like she was, I mean, I can't describe how instrumental she was when I was growing up. The whole reason I wanted to be an attorney when I was little, which was my dream, I haven't made it yet, maybe one day I'll go to law school, but was because of Claire Huxtable. I mean, it just, I was five years old when I started watching the Cosbys, and I, I came across a clip of Vanessa and the wretched and the big fun episode from where she snuck off to Baltimore, and I just laughed and howled and I wore that clip out it was on YouTube and so for weeks now I mean every couple days I have been watching that clip because it just just brought me so much joy you know I don't think people parent like that anymore and so you know I was kind of afraid to admit it and I started googling and that's when I realized that the Cosby show was still on Amazon and you know something I couldn't talk about for a long time like even though I tweet about everything and talk about everything if you search my name and Bill Cosby you might find one tweet it was like I could not talk about it. I felt like it was a betrayal, like, you know, he was my own family member, like so many of us did. But so when I found it was on Amazon, I started watching some of it again. And, you know, it was just masterful. And as an adult who hasn't watched it in, you know, 10, 15 years, just the performances of everybody. I mean, like Sandra, who annoyed me as a kid, just to see how much she was Claire-like and, and how talented Theo was. And so I started talking to my friend about it and admitting that I watched it and or that I had been watching it. You know, and what did that mean? Was I a terrible, non-redeemable person for admitting that I had been watching The Cosby Show? And so I just thought I would ask Twitter, and immediately I got some of the responses I thought I would. You know, like, what is wrong with you? How could you do that? But... 
you know, there's a whole conversation to have there. Like, when it comes to cancel culture or consequence cultures we talk about, you know, when the Harvey Weinstein allegations came forward, I don't, you know, people weren't searching out every movie that he had his hand in and produced to, to cancel it. People watch Kevin Spacey films. I don't see people freaking out if you admit you watch The House of Cards or, you know, Woody Allen films are still out there. But there is just a visceral hatred and anger for people who admit that, you know, I still love Claire Huxtable. For me, when I look at it, I look at, like, the Cosby show in a vacuum for a couple of reasons. One, growing up in the 80s. That wasn't my life. Mom wasn't a lawyer and dad wasn't a doctor, but it was a diversion because everybody watched it. But I think where we part is where not just the fact that Bill Cosby is a convicted rapist, like generation, like generations of women, just bunch of women. That last count, I think it was like four dozen. And what people didn't know because none of us knew like behind the scenes all this nonsense just in felonies and assaults and degradation on women was occurring was that Cosby who was seen at the time he was like America's dad in in certain respects but here's the weird part he literally had made a speech I'm not sure if you are familiar with the pound cake speech but on May 17, 2004, at a NAACP defense fund ceremony in D.C., it was to commemorate the 50th anniversary of Brown versus the Board of Education, which allowed school, uh, school desegregation. Now, one of the things, he went off. He went completely off. He talked about parenting. These, these are his actual quotes. In the neighborhood that most of us grew up in, parenting is not going on. In the old days, you couldn't play hooky because every drawn shade was an eye. And before your mother got off the bus into the house, you knew exactly where you had gone, who you are going to the house with, and where you got on and wherever, where you got it from. Parents don't know that today. Same speech. He also said he praised the nation of Islam, which is problematic as hell because of their anti-Semitic and misogynist viewpoints. He said this, when you want to clear your neighborhood out, first thing you do, go get the black Muslims, bean pies and all, and your neighborhood is then clear. Kind of shitty. Wow. It gets worse. Then he said he had remarks for black Christians and their inability to, you know, start social change. I'm telling you, Christians, what's wrong with you? Why can't you hit the streets? Why can't you clean out yourselves? Now, this is the part that kind of gets sideways. Actually, all of this shit is sideways, but one of the things was he literally critiqued black names. He said, we're not Africans. Those people are not Africans. They don't know a damn thing about Africa. With names like Shaniqua, Shaligua, Mohammed, and all that crap, all of them are in jail. This is Bill Cosby saying this saying this about black people about black people and it is stunning and it kills me because like I said when all this was happening 
this was 2004, and nobody really spoke on what was happening behind the scenes with Cosby. And it took a comedian. Hannibal Burris was the first person to allege that Bill Cosby had a horrendous crime spree that went undetected and no one talked about. It took a comedian, set it on stage. From that point on, that's when the focus happened and people were getting more into it. The same, And you mentioned consequence culture. You mentioned the same thing with R. Kelly. R. Kelly has been trashed for the better part of pretty much since he stepped onto the public platform. But artists would ignore it. People would ignore it. Meanwhile, he's grooming, sexually assaulting, raping underage girls and women for years. And people were like, well, you know, that's just how it is. No, that's not how that shit is. It's Here's an ugly fact. In the black community, there are times when certain people get certain passes. Like, prime example, the OJ verdict. Everybody and their mama knew that O.J. Simpson killed Nicole Brown and Ronald Goldman. Plain as fucking day. Killed them. In cold blood. He killed them. Yet, when the verdict was read and the world watched, I saw people celebrating. I was in a college cafeteria. They had it on TVs. We're sitting there watching it. There had to be about 150 people in that cafeteria. We're all watching it stone silence you see you hear like raucous applause i'm like the fuck are people clapping we didn't win shit he just got acquitted from killing these people it's real obvious and but yet because of the way that the justice system was in hindsight it could have been a makeup for the rodney king verdict when they acquitted all those cops for beating down a motorist a black motorist on video for the longest time. And with the Cosby show, it it will go in a pantheon of one of the most watched and at the time beloved shows, but Bill Cosby's legacy to me, it completely it soils it and it sucks because there are good actors on that show, like you mentioned. They're phenomenal actors yeah. and their legacy is now well, has been tied to him and from what he is. And he is he is that. But when we come back from break, we will switch up and talk about a positive thing, a negative thing, and otherwise interesting topics. You are listening to the Black Tuesday podcast on FPC Radio Network. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. 
Got your happy price, Priceline. We are back with the Black Tuesday podcast. Terrence Biggs, Kenny Metz. Kenny, today is National Nurses Day. And one of the things I need to kind of jump in before I get your opinion, we had a uh, tweeter, member of the giant tweet community, Corey Wassinger. Corey Wassinger was a nurse for about 25 years. She passed away a couple of years ago, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I should say, from COVID-related comp- complications at the age of 49. She was a friend. She loved being a nurse. She cared about her patients. She will be missed. In her honor, this convo about nurses and for all they have done, it's for her. So, Corey, you're up above listening. You were missed. You're loved. It's for you, my friend. Candy, when it comes to nurses, we have had hospital visits, both of us. We're pretty much the same age. And when you look at nurses from a outside viewpoint, what do you think when you see the dedication of these men and women? Well, obviously, their sacrifice during this pandemic has just been, I mean, it's remarkable. But the thing I always feel when I think about nursing as a profession and, and what they have been through is anger to me for those who keep disrespecting that sacrifice. Like Tennessee, our governor has basically announced, you know, the mask mandate's over, basically COVID is no more, enjoy your life. You know, not that people here were serious about COVID precautions in the first place, but, you know, with him reversing the mandate or ending the mandate, now, like my high school was having a graduation that was limited. Each kid got four tickets for graduation. Once Bill Lee did that, now it's open for all. Um, you know, for, for both graduations. And so we went out to eat yesterday or the day before with my friend. And um, right before we went out to eat, we had to stop by the cell phone store. And, you know, I couldn't hear what the workers were talking about in there. But when we got outside, you know, she told me, because she knew I couldn't hear or read their lips with a mask on, that they were talking about how no one was wearing a mask anymore. Like everybody that comes in is breathing in their face, even though they're wearing a mask. And, she said the dude that was in there beside us, he was just ranting about how masks don't work anyway, and he's so glad that nowhere can nowhere can make him wear one anymore. And, you know, I knew immediately which guy she was talking about because he had Trumper all over his face. But, you know, we were just talking about how anymore, I mean, you just don't see masks hardly anymore. There'll be one or two people in the store, but they honestly act like COVID is over. And so me and her had a conversation about nurses, like how frustrating it must be that now we have a vaccine and they have to be thinking the end is near and maybe finally, you know, they're the sacrifice and, and the amount of death that they've seen over the last year and the suffering, you know, there's an end in sight and how it must feel to see people reject that vaccine, spout you know, bullshit that they got in a mommy group on Facebook and refuse to simple, simply wear masks. And, you know, even though we're, I get my second vaccine on the 12th, but I'll still wear my mask if I go out after that, because to me, it's a sign of respect for those who have lost loved ones, but also the sacrifice of nurses. I just, I don't get how, particularly in a town where most people consider themselves evangelical Christian. You can see people just spouting this bullshit in the store and 
spraying spittle everywhere while they laugh about how COVID isn't real, knowing that, you know, our healthcare workers have been through hell over the last year. It's just, it just boggles the mind. For me, I, you know, having been in hospitals and now having two little children and had to visit hospitals, um, one of the things I am always appreciative is the calm, the grace of nurses. For example, most of you know, about a year ago, uh, about a year ago, a little more, my daughter had a massive seizure just out of nowhere, just... She was in the ICU for a couple of days. Everything checked out, but she had to go back in early June of 2020 to make, to just to get the rest of the test. And so she had to sit there in this, in the hospital bed for two days. Two days. Can you imagine an unhappy child for two days? But the nurses just walked in, hey, Bailey, how you doing? And she, they put her at ease. So when she would see one, she'd sign, hey, or hi. Or just, and she was just these big brown eyes looking at nurses and just, they came in, they're like, and her laugh, they would make her laugh. And as a parent, I cannot tell you, nurses are the backbone of any hospital. Like, yes, doctors are profoundly appreciated but goddamn nurses who the backbone of the medical profession overworked underappreciated i mean they they truly they truly are you know doctors get all the glory if there isn't such thing but it really truly is the nurses that you know i had an issue where um i passed out painting furniture a few years ago and ended up in the back of an ambulance and from inhaling the fumes of the wax that I was using, like, I, I didn't even know, I didn't even know where I was for a few minutes. Might have been a couple hours. I don't even know. Like, I vaguely remember it. And the doctor said it was similar to, like, when people huff chemicals or whatever. Like, that's what happened to your brain. And that's all I remember was how compassionate and kind and loving the nurses were. There was a doctor that was somewhat mean, kind of an asshole, but the, but the nurses were just some of the most kind people I've ever encountered. Now, one of the things that, you know, like I said, I have met nurses who, you know, if you see a nurse today, if you see him tomorrow, if you see him whenever, hell, you see him out at a bar, buy them a drink. Buy them all the drinks. Right. If, you know, if, if you see them, thank them. No matter, it doesn't have to be nurses' day or anything. These are the folks that are there. All the time. Now, somebody who shouldn't be there any time is Caitlyn Jenner. Uh. <laughs> she, she has firmly entrenched herself even further in nonsense. Like, we we knew that she was always a Republican, but it flies in the face of hypocrisy. And I know that as a observer of politics from afar, she really is turning her back on, oh, not really turning her back because she's, she's always been a Republican, but she's really embracing this now. And it's not so much about her awful politics, which you can read it's, it's trash. It's the thought that celebrities really in general think they should run for office. They see what happened with 
Trump is president now, every celebrity thinks that they can do better. From Caitlyn Jenner to people wanted Oprah to run for office. Why are people so hung up, and why are celebrities like that clingy where they believe that this is their chosen path? Well, I think, you know, Trump was good for one thing. It was showing you that you should apply for that job that you're actually not qualified for because you might get it. So with Caitlyn Jenner, who I despise, when you sent me the tweet this morning, of course it was early and I hadn't had my coffee, but, like, when I first just read it and saw the word hanger, you know, her complaining about the dude who's hanger next to her is leaving California, I thought, hanger, like, is this a typo? Like, it took me a minute to realize, oh, shit, she needs airplanes. Because that's so out of the realm of, you know, most normal Americans' thought process that you know somebody that has a hanger next year's. And then when I, I went, I clicked on the clip, watched it, and she's really complaining that her hanger buddy is leaving California because of the homelessness. Now, like, totally unaware of how, of what that sounds like. Like, here a person is that owns a fucking airplane. And if homelessness is a problem, my first thought would be if you've got the money for an airplane, you've got the funds to donate. You know, build a shelter, do something, help the homeless people. But instead, she's on TV stating that her hanger buddies are leaving California to go to Arizona because they don't like to see homeless people. Like, just completely oblivious to how that must fucking sound. I just, I truly think... Trump, really, it's like, you have to have a certain amount of ego, I think, to be any kind of celebrity, like an actor, a reality television star, or whatnot, but, like, Trump has just unleashed that, whether it's The Rock joking about running for president, or Caitlyn Jenner, like, you would think a normal person would look at that and be like, oh, look how bad Trump fucked everything up, you know, clearly, this idea that anybody can be president did not go well, and we need qualifications. But it had the opposite effect on some celebrities as things. All they heard in that was, if Trump can do it, I can do it. And for me, that's that's super just – I mean, the, theoretically, people could say that Ronald Reagan was an actor, and he became governor and president. And, yeah, he was the template for the, the whole Trump era, right. but – there are people. At least he had a pol- uh, job in politics before he became president, and an economics degree. I mean, he's an awful was an awful human being, but Trump just he takes it to an nth degree. Now, one of the things that I'm that has brought has been brought to our attention is after in the wake of the George Floyd murder last year, actually a little more than a little less than a year ago was all these CEOs seemingly jumping on the bandwagon for clout and as far as making promises that they would do more to further the cause of social justice and fighting systemic racism. Now, the Financial Times, they tweeted out yesterday that since last May, American corporations have pledged to spend $50 billion on racial equality, yet only about $250 million has actually been sent and committed to a specific initiative. This is from the Creative Investment Research. Now, one of their goals would be, you know, they have hiring and 
promotional targets as far as being able to hire persons of color, black people, and promote them and promote same within. Do you think that a lot of these corporations will not come through? Oh, of course not. I mean, that would require corporations to actually care about something other than profit. I think there was such heat on everyone um, after the George Floyd. I mean, it was just such a time of reckoning, and it was just lip service to me. You know, companies that came out and said, oh, you know, it was a moment where even people who deny that police brutality exists or that, you know, black men are out here getting murdered by the cops, it was kind of hard to deny that. Like, I even saw, I've even seen a shift in my town from people who, in 2014, you know, absolutely despised me for daring to say Black Lives Matter, who I now see on social media that were attending a, a vigil that we had here and, you know, posting their profile pictures, hashtag Black Lives Matter. And, and I'm glad that they they came to the good side, I guess, but it's like how much brutality and how much suffering did did they have to witness before they could no longer deny it. But I feel like a lot of the corporations saw that and it, it was hard to it was hard to see the murder of George Floyd and see that man crying for his mama and and just feel anything other than rage and sickness. So I think there's a lot of them that uh, immediately stepped up and, you know, let let their mouth shoot off at the hip of, of the good that they're going to do. But then when it comes time to actually go through with it, corporations don't care about anything other than profit. Otherwise, we wouldn't have to have a national movement to raise the minimum wage that would just do the right thing. And I look at it, and it was, you know, it it – garnered them good publicity. It garnered them good attention. But I want to see it more happen. I want to see more I want to see more profound work than just words. Now, speaking of businesses, as long as I've known you, I don't know and no one listens knows knows the name of your furniture business in Tennessee. Like yes, the, floor. It is the new the new deal distressing um, of course, after the New Deal. But I have actually have not painted a single thing during the pandemic. But once I get my second shot on May 12th, I'm, I'm so excited to get back into it. I just I, – I, when the pandemic hit, I felt like I needed a break because I've been doing it for four years full-time. And when I say full-time, from the time I woke up to the time I went to bed, I was either painting furniture, acquiring furniture, selling furniture, getting supplies. I bought it all myself. I loaded it all myself. I unloaded it all myself. I did all the work myself. I listed it all myself. And it just becomes so overwhelming. But so when the crash, the pandemic happened and everything shut down and um, it turned into a, a much needed break that I'm now ready to get back into. But I am the New Deal Distressing on Facebook, and that's where you can find photos of my work um, and just see what see what I do. I've seen some of Kenny's work, and it, it is it's it's top quality stuff. Now, before we get out of here, where can people read your your work, your writing? I'm at Candy Mathis, C A N D I M A T H I S on Twitter. Um, and I usually, whenever I write a new blog entry, I usually upload it there. So you can, you can find me by that. 
now, one of the best people out there, Kendi Matthews. We want to thank you so much for joining the Black Tuesday podcast. Thank you for having me. I have fun as always. This has been the Black Tuesday podcast. Be good to yourselves. Be good to each other.